Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Good Life Radio Podcast. The third day of August, 2015, hot, humid, sticky New York City. The phone number is always 607-203-5330. Baseball here in New York is on absolute fire. With the Mets and Yankees both in first place, the Mets coming off a stunning sweep of the Nationals, and the Bronx Bombers just continuing to win series after series after series. We have a comfortable six-game lead in the AL East. Obviously, baseball is on the agenda today. So I got myself a guest. He's played 12 years in Major League Baseball, seven different teams. More importantly for me, he was on the New York Yankees. He had a really interesting ride with the Yankees, especially the 2004 season. So without further ado, let's get him on the show. My man, Canyon Sturts. Daniel, what's up, my man? Thank you for joining the show. What's happening? How you doing, Mike? Always good. What's going on with you? What is Canyon Sturts up to right now? Uh, I just took my two-year-old out of the bathtub and put her in bed. That's what I'm up to. And I just saw so you tweeted much. something. <laughs> I just saw you tweeted something about you can be the bleacher creatures or bold Vinny. Yeah. Uh, Friday night we have a, a Canyon Sturts night out in the bleachers. Um, I have a charity called Pinstripe Sports Dreams. And uh, what we do is we uh, take money and we pay for uh, little league kids that can't afford to play for travel baseball and stuff like that. So we try to pick a few kids each year and take care of their expenses. And what's the website for that? And what's that? Do you have a website for that we can go to? Uh, I believe it's pinstripesportstreams.com. Awesome. Now, you're not in the public eye as much now. Do you miss it? Do you miss not being on TV all the time with the Yankees. Do you miss being in there? Uh, no, I don't miss being in the public eye. Uh, I miss being with the guys and on the field and playing and, and uh, competing, uh, but definitely not in the public eye. <laughs> now, I ask just to every athlete I have on the show, and I'm always curious from the you know rate, range of answers, when was Canyon Sturts, when was your moment that you knew that you were special, you were a better ball player than everybody else, and that – Baseball wasn't just a hobby anymore. It was a, it was going to be your career. How are you going to support yourself and your family? Was there a defining moment? Um, pretty weird. Uh, I I really didn't feel that way until I went down after I got drafted uh, with Oakland and went and and competed against guys who were a lot higher draft picks than I was, and I was doing just as well as them and, and making all-star teams with those guys and keeping up with them. So that's when I started to figure it out. Before that, uh, listen, I, I'm just a kid from a middle-class family in Boston, outside of Boston and Worcester, who played every sport just like everybody else does up in the north and, you know, was a pretty good athlete, and, and, and I threw the ball hard. So I got the opportunity, and... Things happened, and, and I, I excelled at it. Now, you had a respectable 12-year career. You bounced around. And in 2004, the kid from Massachusetts comes to the hated Bronx. One, what was your feeling about it? And did you get any grief or stuff from your family and friends that a Red Sox guy from Boston had come to the Yankees? Well, I still have two uncles that don't speak to me. Um, <laughs> Um, did I, ha- I loved it. Are you kidding me? I was, I was sitting in AAA, uh, in Las Vegas. They called and said that I was about to be traded because I think Lucino went down and they needed a starter. 
And uh, I was throwing the ball very well in AAA with Las Vegas with the Dodgers. So uh, we had called them and see if they were, we were going to get called up. And they had no plans at the time to call me up. So we really pushed for the trade at the time in 04. So then in 04, I came over. I, I mean, are you kidding me? I was excited to get there. I couldn't wait. Anything's better than being in AAA. So then I came <laughs> over. Yeah, mm-hmm. I came over to, to New York. And, um, you know, it was a great year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, it didn't end the way we wanted it to end. Uh, it kind of hurt a lot, especially, you know, being a Boston kid and having that happen. But, you know, things happen. And, and then 2005 was a great year. And then 2006 was okay. Now, you go from being a starting pitcher, I think the year before you threw 200 innings, to being, you know, you threw a couple starts here and there, but more of a relief pitcher. What's the biggest you know. difference, and what, and what do you like that of doing? you like starting or relieving? Uh, now that I did both, I like relieving better uh, because you get the opportunity to be in the game every night. Um, it took a little time to get used to. Thank God I had Mariano with me. Uh, I, I got to play catch with Mariano every day. When I got traded over in 2004, his throwing partner was Mike Stanton, and Mike Stanton left. So mm-hmm. I got to I got to play catch with Mariano every day, and he kind of taught me about being in the bullpen and how uh, your mind has to change a little bit differently than when you're a starting pitcher, where you try to go a few innings and try to map out different at bats for guys for throughout the game, and in the bullpen, kind of just let it go as hard as you can go for an inning or two. And whatever happens that night happens that night. The next day is a completely different day. And that I think that was the, the hardest mindset to get used to. But like I said, playing catch with him and talking to him every day during BP really helped me just forget about what happened the night before and concentrate on, on that day. Now, in 2004, a, a bunch of things happened. We're going to get to it. But you were the pitcher on the mound when Jeter's famous dive play, when Trot Nixon hit that ball. 12th inning, yeah. first and second, or second, third. Take me through that play when Jeter makes that catch and dives head first into the stands. Take me through that play. Well, it's a little crazy because if you watch it, um, I mean, you can kind of see. I, I, first of all, if you watch the way the pitch was, it, it's kind of amazing that Trot Nixon even got a bat on it it's so far outside. And he kind of hits it off the end of the bat. And I was looking, I was like, oh, man, that's going to drop right over the third baseman's head. And then all of a sudden you just see number two just go flying through and catch the ball and jump into the stands. And, you know, it was a pretty amazing play. Um, you know, it gets shown all the time because it was such a great play. I mean, he ran such a long way to get that ball. And then, uh, you know, we were all pumped up. It was a, it was actually a really pretty big game for us. And then uh, we ended up winning the next inning with Flaherty hitting a double down the line, which was, which was huge. So I think I was getting ready to come up to bat and – and, and that's not very good. I think I have like one hit, like forty at bat, so it's not a good idea to have that happen. <laughs> especially in a Yankee Red Sox game, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially extra innings, Yankee Red Sox probably wasn't going to work out too well. So no. glad Flash got the hit. <laughs> now, in two thousand four, another famous thing happened: the famous A Rod Baratek fight. Uh, it's I knew about the fight, obviously, and I remember. And I, it's going to be silly coming from a fan's perspective, but that's a moment when everyone. Like, loved you. You had the blood on your face. You're all fired up. You watch the clip now on YouTube. You were gang tackled by, like, three guys. Take me through that fight. I'm always curious to these baseball fights. Usually it's just the guys pushing each other. That was a legit brawl. Yeah, well, the way it all started, it started the night before. They hit A-Rod a couple of times. And then the first at-bat, he got hit again. So him and Veritek kind of went at it. But 
by the time they got on the bottom, I mean, if you're on the bottom of one of those piles, it's pretty ugly. There's all kinds of spikes and everything going around. And A-Rod was kind of getting it pretty good down the bottom. So I mm-hmm. just came in and started grabbing some guys and getting them off. I actually started that game. Still in the, I was in the dugout. I wasn't in the bullpen yet. So I was still I was, I was pitching. So I just came running in and ended up getting Kapler a little too high on the neck and, uh, you know, kind of pulled him out of the out of the pile. And next thing I know, I had Big Poppy on the back of me trying to uh, swing at me and then trot Nixon and had a few other guys. So, you know, it happens. It was fine. Uh, I had no problems with it. Uh, at that point, I don't think there was any love lost. None of us liked each other anyway, so it wasn't like I was too upset about it. Sean, I'm glad you just said that because – the fans take it more to heart, obviously. To you guys, it is a business. Did you guys have true dislikes? Obviously, there's some players you're friends with, but do you guys have a true dislike for the Red Sox at that time? Like, you're looking back across it to 2003, 4, and 5. Did you guys just truly dislike a lot of those Red Sox guys? Well, you got to understand, for me, it's a little bit different. I, don't, I, I didn't have the stuff that a lot of the uh, – like Musina and stuff like and go, those guys had. So I, I hated everybody that I played against. So as okay. soon as I got into a game and got in between the lines, I, I automatically didn't like it. Now, will I go have a beer with you after the game? Probably. Hang out, have a cocktail or something like that and talk. But I'm not going to talk or, or like you during a game. So whatever happens kind of happens in between the lines. That's the only way that I could get a competitive edge and try to fire myself up to be able to compete against guys like that. In 2004, this is when I mean that the Yankees are my life. The Yankees in Kentucky basketball canyon are my life. I wow. my wife left me. No, my wife left me because of sports. It's the reason I'm single. It's <laughs> pathetic. But I truly can't watch something on TV or even read a book when they mention you know the collapse. So we're not going to talk too much about it. But you are part of it. Yeah, please don't. Now, the one thing I have to ask you, because I still, I I still have little nightmares every once in a while. I shake and watch Dave Roberts still in second base. Kind of, oh. I wake up with sweats, you know what I mean? <laughs> now, I don't know if you knew this. I was not in the major league, so I wasn't in the locker room. Just give me a brief sentence or two about how horrible was that locker room at the end in 04 when it's over in Yankee Stadium. Just take me through that. Well, to be honest, game seven – I don't know. It was a weird feeling going into game seven. Um, okay. You know, we really thought that we had to win game six. Mm-hmm. Game seven was a tough one for us because we really didn't have anyone to throw. Uh, we knew Kevin Brown was going to end up going. Yeah. Uh, they called down the bullpen and told Kevin Brown that he was going to start the next day, so he kind of left the stadium a little early and then uh, got ready for the next day. But as we know, that start didn't go very well. Um so we we really knew that we were you know we really didn't have many people to throw for uh, for Game Seven, so we knew we kind of had it. I think I think it was more somber mm-hmm. after Game Six than it was Game Seven because I, I not saying we were expecting to lose. I always thought that we were still going to win, even okay. though because of the curse of the Bambino and everything like that. But we knew we were going to have a more difficult time on in Game Seven. So with game six, I really thought that we needed to win it with Lieber. Now, let me ask you a few questions while with the Yankees. I felt this way, but listen, again, I'm sitting home watching every game, and I'll, I, it's easy for me to criticize it. Do you feel Joe Torre overused you in that bullpen? 
throughout your tenure with the you know, listen, listen, Mike, I get this question. I, I've gotten this question ever since I've left New York in 2007. Oh, I, I, I thought I was being original. Come on. <laughs> until this day, people, people ask me this all the time. But you've got to understand the position that that guy's in. Okay, if I'm throwing if I'm throwing good, and and I'm in I'm in late in the game, so I'm seventh eighth inning guy, right? So mm-hmm. if you're throwing good, you have to win every night in New York, right? Otherwise, the exactly. media goes crazy. They they go nuts. If the media goes nuts, so if I'm throwing good, then if he doesn't use me, they're gonna go crazy that I didn't use me. So they go crazy if he uses me too much because I mean, look at I I threw. I think I had like a 35-inning streak of scoreless baseball. I mean, what's he going to do? He's got to put me out there. Plus, I'm not going to say no. There's no way I'm going to say no to compete. I mean, that's why I'm out there. I get paid to go out there and do my job. And so I'm never going to say no to it. And I I don't see any position where he had where he could say not to use me if I was throwing the ball well. And and that goes for everybody. That goes for Scott Proctor the year after I left. Same Mm -hmm. thing. It goes for Paul Quantrill the year before. I mean, it, you know, it was a few of us that just we got used, but we were throwing the ball good. So how is he not supposed to use us when he's in that kind of a position in New York where if you don't win, your head's on the table and you're probably fired anyway, right? So you got to yeah. win every night. I love you to win every I, night. Homer Bush came on the show, and we were talking about it, and I asked him, did he feel the pressure of playing in New York? And he said – what a great story he told me. He said that he never listened to sports radio. He said that you guys had a night game, and he had like two, two stolen bases, and he scored the winning run. Uh, and then he said the next day, it was a day game, he gets caught stealing in a big spot, but he puts on the radio, and he said that everyone forgot that he stole two bases, had the game-winning run. They were destroying oh, over yeah. foot. And that, did you yeah. feel the pressure? Do you guys feel the pressure? I, uh, listen, it was so it was so easy for me. You got to remember, I'm seventh, eighth inning guy. Yeah. I'm sitting in a lock. I'm sitting in a locker room with nine all stars playing behind me. Okay, <laughs> they got. I got. I mean, seriously, think about it. So they're not. They're going to come to my locker for one question, Mike. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> what happened? So if I gave up a home run, I just say, look it, I left it over the middle, they hit a bop. What do you want me to do? And then they're moving on to one of the all-star guys. I'm not going to worry about little old me sitting in the corner. So, so no, I, I didn't feel the pressure. There was really no pressure because I had all those big guys there to protect me, you know. So it was always – and even if I did leave runners on base, Mariano came in and mopped it up for me anyway, so it wasn't that big a deal. Now, now in 2008, you play your last game for the Dodgers. How'd you know it was the end? How'd you know, like, this is it, my career's over. Was there a moment? Yeah, I was spending more time in the training room and more time uh-huh. in the weight room uh, to get ready to throw one inning than uh, than I than I needed to be and that I should have been. So, yeah, I, I knew it was time. Um, it really didn't bounce back after I had my surgery, after being mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, it took a long time. I tried to do it. I tried to get it back. I got it back. Like you said, I got back to to L.A., but it just wasn't the same. Um, Obviously, I I competed because, you know, I I, I just compete, but it wasn't the same. I knew that uh, I didn't have the stuff that I had before, and it's I wasn't the kind of guy that could change the way he pitched. Mm Mm-hmm. I, w- I didn't have great breaking balls. I didn't have great, you know, uh, I had a great split, but I had fastball split was pretty much what I worked with. So 
when you lose fastball goes from 94, 95 to 90, 89, 90, 91, you're in kind of trouble. So that's when I knew. In baseball, what is your biggest regret throughout baseball on the field? Wow. My biggest regret. Hmm. I never even thought about that. All right, we'll, we'll get back to it. You're going to think about it. Give me your best. I always ask this. I love this. Your two moments. One, you're welcome to the big league moment, and then your favorite moment in, in the majors. Uh, my welcome to the big league moment was me dressed up with the Rangers, uh, serving beer in high heels and a dress to Bobby Witt, Kenny Hill, and all those guys in downtown Cleveland. That was my welcome to the big league moment. In a packed, <laughs> right. in a absolutely packed, packed club, and I had to get the tray and everything. And if I still didn't drink, I had to go back and get the whole new drinks again. So that was my welcome. Thanks for coming, Will Clark and all those guys. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. They had a blast with that. My best moment. Uh, I pitched the first game back. A lot of people don't remember, but I pitched the first game back. I was with Tampa. I picked mm-hmm. the first game back in Yankee Stadium after 2011. It was me against Roger Clemens. I started that game. And uh, that, that for me, was one of the, probably uh, definitely the biggest and, and best game that I could have ever been a part of. Uh, we were crying during the national anthem with two police officers in the bullpen before I started warming up. And then mm-hmm. going out there, and I actually ended up beating Roger Clemens 2-1 to one that night, which was – just it was just an unbelievable uh, atmosphere, an unbelievable day. So that that to me was probably one of the best days on the field for me. That, that's a great answer. Now, Old Timers Day, how cool is it? Now I, I ask these questions, and it's it's always funny. I've interviewed a ton of people, and I always I, like I said, Yankees, Kentucky basketball. When I interview one of those plays, it's always at a different level because I watched every pitch you pitched, every Kentucky game. So seeing old-timers there, you watch, you come with the Yankees, during the brawl, you're involved in all these games. How is it to be on the field with Yogi, Reggie, uh, Bernie, oh Nelson? God. How, describe old-timers day. Oh, man. Uh, listen, there, there's one thing that you wish you could get the, you get the invite every year to. Mm-hmm. You wish that that envelope comes and says that you're invited to old timers game now that you're done. I mean, that is that week, that weekend that they put on in New York is the it's so special to be around those guys, to be in the locker room, listen to them talk. I mean, look about look at all the Hall of Famers. I mean, it's just crazy. We, me and John Flaherty was sitting there in the in the infield this year after we got introduced, and obviously we're early because you know we're, we're pretty much you know we just had a couple uniforms that you know we played a few years. That was about it, you know. But the big guys come a little bit later, you know. We, we have no problem with that. Just let them come. Not a big deal. So uh, we sat down and we're sitting there talking, and then here comes everybody. I and mean, it's just crazy listening to the names, you know, Reggie Jackson, Wade Ball. I mean, it's just Ricky Henderson. It's just crazy the people that come running out of the dugout. And you're like, we're sitting in the locker room with these guys. It's just, you know, it blows your mind because, you know, there are some of those guys that we did play with. I played with Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs ended up being a coach of mine in Tampa Bay for a little bit. You know, I, I was with Ricky in Oakland. 
it, you know, so you, you do know those guys a little bit on different level, but now that it's all all said and done and, and they've accomplished what they've accomplished and they're in the Hall of Fame and now you're sitting in the locker room with them, it, it, you know, it's just it's amazing. And really, I mean, I'm telling you right now that weekend is just awesome. It's amazing that uh, the the Yankees organization put on such a great, great weekend for all of us. When you played for the Yankees, wait, did you live in New York? 55th and second, brother. I'm, I'm on 26th and second right now. The greatest place in the world. Now, let me ask you 55th again. and second. What happened? 55th and second. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> now, you, you played with some iconic players, and that's not even to be said loosely. I'm going to ask you, listen, I'm not asking for dirt or anything. Just a, a couple guys I'm going to ask you about, some of my favorite players. I want to know how they were in the locker room, blah, blah. Mike Mussina. Awesome. My locker mate for three years. Gets a bad rap, man gets a bad rap from a lot of people. A lot of people say he's a jerk. A lot of people, listen, man, he was one of the funniest, smartest guys. I used to sit in my locker when people would come in after he would start, and I wouldn't take a shower. I would just sit there and listen to his interviews because I knew that he was just going to make these reporters feel like crap because they, <laughs> he was so much smarter than them. It was crazy. Yeah, I love Musi. Musi was one of my favorite all-time Yankees, and I always felt – I remember when you got when he went to Japan. Like everything he did, he always got criticized for, and I never understood why. He was a great, great, great pitch. I love him. You seen it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I don't know what the deal was with him. I mean, he was always great to me. And like I said, I always, I always sat next to him in spring training, and I always sat right next to him in uh, New York. Our lockers were right next to each other, and uh, it was just funny. He used to always, he was always in the corner in spring training. And I, my seat was kind of out a little bit, and he would always say, "Okay, start to move your seat back, block me a little bit. I don't want to talk to anybody today." So I was like, I would move my seat back, not let anybody in. No reporters in to talk to him for the day, <laughs> and they'd talk oh. over me. Hey, Mike, you got a minute? He's like, "No, nah, not today." <laughs> <laughs> now, what about Jason Giambi? I was a big Giambi guy. Giambi, oh, yeah, one of the best guys, one of the best guys in the game. Now, me and you guys met me <laughs> yeah, and Jason he's... came up together in Oakland. We mm-hmm. were roommates in the minor leagues, and then we got to play again together in the big leagues in the Yankees, so it was awesome. Uh, we, we we're really close. We uh, I still speak to Jason, and uh, he, he's a great guy, man. What a, you know, I lived with Jason when I first got traded in '04 to New York. I stayed with him at the in the apartment. That's right. You, I, he seems like he's just like a cool, like a just a great guy to have a beer with, like a, just a cool dude, you know. Yeah, uh, you're gonna if you're gonna have a beer with me, you're gonna have more than one. I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, now I'm gonna give you two more players. Obviously, you know the two I'm gonna go to. Derek Jeter. I mean, do we really? Is there anything I need to say? Seriously, I, I, he does nothing, nothing. Nothing the man does is wrong. You know. Now, is there anything I, I need to say? I mean, what am I gonna say that everyone else hasn't said about the guy? I mean, come on, seriously. I mean, the guy. <laughs> Uh, I can, you know, a good friend of mine. I actually just texted him like uh, two days ago, talked because he's been he's starting to play golf a lot. So I okay. just texted him two days ago because uh, I'm a pretty good golfer. I said, "Are you almost ready?" So you know, he needs a couple months more to, to practice before we play. So I said, "Okay, no problem." Okay, great and guy. Listen, about... awesome. Doesn't get better. Okay, I got to ask. Uh, well, how about the mindset? I, I mean, you said it earlier, and you actually used the same word. Give me the mindset of Mariano Rivera. If you said. You came over, he played catch with you. He was telling you, 
tell me the mindset, because he just seems like just a guru of knowledge and just always so calm. He was the, I'd watch a game, and I'd pace my house back and forth, yelling and cursing, and he comes in, and he, he's the, he calms you down. Describe his mindset. <laughs> um, you, you pretty much said it. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't. I don't know if he has a pulse. I really don't. I I mean, nothing ever gets, like, too exciting. Nothing ever gets too down in the dumps. I mean, remember, there was a couple years where, like, we would come out of spring training and he would, like, lose a couple saves, like, you know, early on in the year. And people were like, oh, mm-hmm. he's done. He's done. Get a new clothes or we need someone else to close. And everyone's like, hey, what's wrong with you people? You guys nuts. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, you guys absolutely crazy. He blew two saves, you know, in May, April. What difference does it make? We need him in September, October. We don't need him in May and April. Who cares? You, you know, but people, you know, everyone gets so, they're so diehard and they're so into it that <laughs> they blow everything up. But, uh, you know, seriously, he is, uh, you know, a wealth of knowledge. He, he's been in every possible situation. So he knows what he's talking about on everything. And like I said, I, I really don't know if he has a pulse. The guy is just, a, he's an amazing guy. I'll never forget. I think it was 2001, and I'll make it quick. I'd rather hear you talk. I'm going to tell you my Mariano comic story. 2001, Yankees, Red Sox, uh, man on first base, and ground ball to Soriano. He throws the ball, double play to the end of the game, throws the ball over Jesus' head into left field. Second and third now, I think the Yankees are winning 2-1. to one. It was a one-run game. And I'm screaming, yelling, and he showed it. Mariano looked at Soriano with his glove, like relax, like I got. And she, she calmed the all the New York City was like, all right, we got strikeout, top up, we win the game. And that calming effect, it's he's not normal. He's the, the greatest player. Now I have to ask you about no. that one guy. I love him. No one else does. How is A Rod in the locker room? He gets a bad rap. I love him. I really do. I'm a big A Rod guy. I felt that New York never accepted him because he wasn't cheater. How was Alex Rodriguez? Do you love him? Do you love him now, or did you love him a couple of years ago? Or you no, love him now that. because he's raking? No, no, no. I, I mean that. I, oh, when he first okay. came, I loved him. I'll tell you. And then what happened was when everyone hated him, I started to like him more, like just to appreciate a great baseball player. Listen, the stuff he does, obviously, I don't agree with. But how was A Rod in the locker room? A Rod in the locker room is great. Uh, a Rod, you know, jokes around. He's great with his teammates. He's a good guy. Uh, get like you said, he gets a bad rap, man. Um, okay. He he really does. Uh, obviously, he was never going to be Derek, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, obviously, the first few years that everyone's going to compare him to that. Um, listen, there's things on a baseball field that that guy could do that a lot of people can't do. I mean, that guy, he's a stud. I mean, people don't realize it, but that guy is a stud. He was a stud in Texas. He was a stud in Seattle. I mean, think about back in those days. I mean, the kid was amazing. And now look what he's doing. I mean, the Mm -hmm. guy had a year off. A year (laughs) off. It's not that easy, man. He's not young anymore. It's not that easy. Of course not. He's making it look so easy. That's what I'm saying, but that's how talented the kid is. I mean, it, that that should show everybody how talented that this kid is to be able to take a year off at, what, 40, man? I mean, 40 years old, and he's up there raking? Now, listen, I know you're not going to break, like, all crazy stuff. Did A-Rod and Jeter 
have a certain type of beef? I'm not going to ask that fist fight. But was there um was it more of a competitive beef, or was there an issue with those two in the locker room? Oh, I don't even. You you're, you're <laughs> going way above my pay grade, brother. Huh? Okay. That's it. You're, I, you're way above. You're way. You're up up a echelon and pay grades in the clubhouse. Okay. There's certain areas where I don't even go to in the clubhouse. All right. <laughs> That's huh? a Park Avenue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're on Park Avenue right now. I'm on fifty fifty second, my man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you never crossed over there. All right, listen. No, 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 no. Listen, if I get a text message with them to say, hey, come have a drink, or I'm going here, you want to meet here for a little bit, I'm in the cabin there in two seconds. You know what I'm saying? But I don't <laughs> go up into those neighborhoods and hang out with those guys. Come on. <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm, joined, I'm having a great time with you. Now, I, I ask this question to every single person on my show, and I think you're going to win it. I think I know who your answer is going to be. You and I are out now. We're in the city. We're at a bar, and you want to impress everyone there. You take out your phone, and give me one person on your phone that you can text that's going to text you back. Because I have people on my phone, however I got the number, they're not going to text me back. But I have some cool people on my phone. Who's the coolest person in your phone right now that you can text? Oh, my God. They'll text you back. The coolest person in my phone. What city were you in? Were you in New York? Yes. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I would I would probably say Derek. I mean, if if we're in New York, I would say Derek is. I'm obviously trying to pick up a girl or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, is that that's the whole deal. You you and I are. I mean, if I if I'm if I'm in a bar trying to pick up a girl, which I'm not anymore because I'm married and my wife is eight months pregnant. But if I was, congratulations. Yes. Thank you. If I was, then obviously I'm texting Derek right right away, and 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 probably turning my probably turning my font on as big as possible, <laughs> and in in the light, you know that background light I, that's all the way blared up, so it looks like I have a spotlight on, so they can see that it's Derek that I'm texting. See that that one has to win. I think that's still the best one now. Any interest in of you getting back into baseball in some capacity, whichever way? Do you have any interest in that? Um, the coaching part probably not. Um, unless okay. really the rights, unless really the right spot came up. Um, I, I really don't don't see that. Uh, I did a little bit of radio uh, last year. I, I, it was I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I might do some more of that. Okay. Um, I did MLB Network, which I love, uh, which was great. But again. I'm not on the Park Ave Avenue. I'm on 55th Second. You know what I mean? So you gotta take what you can get. You know what I mean? I mean, you guys understand what I'm saying here, right, Mike? Of course. Now you played uh, on a bunch of different. Of course, listen. Now you played on a bunch of different teams. Do you? A lot of guys don't. A lot of people do. Did you collect memorabilia, or did you keep some cool stuff when you played? You know what? I just I just was going over this with one of my friends because he was asking me. I have. I have all of my jerseys from each team. I have a rock, a Roger Clemens, which was my idol. You know, obviously a Boston kid oh, growing up. Of course, you know, uh, you know, I'm a huge, huge Clemens fan. I mean, monster. He's a great guy. So I have him. Um, I have a few balls from some big guys like Cal Ripken and stuff like that. Um, some Hall of Fame stuff that I got from old times. You know, I don't really collect a lot. 
I like having mm-hmm. my own stuff up. I have my jerseys up. Uh, I have a Burley jersey, which is one of my – I love that guy. He's a great guy. Um, I played with him in Chicago, and now okay. obviously he's done everything he's done. But just few people that I, that I really uh, enjoyed being with, and obviously with Clemens being my idol, that I have him up. Now, I'm glad you brought up Clemens because I ask this to any baseball player who comes on. I'm going to ask you, should they be in the Hall of Fame – and will they be in the Hall of Fame? Roger Clemens. Mm, you know what? I've had this conversation with a lot of reporters, and uh, I don't think they're going to let them in from what the reporters say. Mm-hmm. Um, from what the reporters say, they say that it's never going to happen. Um, okay. I have a hard time with that. Uh, whatever they did take, whatever they didn't take, you still have to throw the baseball. You still have to hit the baseball. You still have to control the baseball. And I think him and Barry were the two best players of all of our time. Okay. Um, I, I really, really do think that. I think they were – I think Pedro was the most dominant pitcher of our time, but I think Clemens was probably one of the best pitchers of our time. And I think that – I think that Barry was – was probably the best hitter that that I've ever seen, especially playing. I mean, the guy was amazing. I mean, think about the year that he hit seventy. He only saw three, he only saw four pitches to hit a night, and he hit all of them uh, into the mm-hmm. lake. You know, uh, to McCovey's Cove, of course. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, the, the guy got walked over two hundred something times, and he hit seventy bombs. So I, I, I you know. I, I, that for no. me, I don't care. I, I don't think what they took or if they took anything. Mm-hmm. Do we even know if they took anything? I mean, we don't even know. Do we? Where's nope. no test that they failed and stuff like that, right? Exactly. It's all hearsay. It's all some mm-hmm. trainer saying that they took it or something like that. So I, I don't believe every. I don't believe anybody. First of all, okay. Um, I I think, I think you got to go by numbers, and I think they should be in. Now, That's you, said some, you said something the other day. I'm not going to ask you who did it or whatever, but you said uh, some player who just got in the Hall of Fame, you said, uh, I think on Facebook, quote, unquote, they took something, and they're in the Hall of Fame. No, now, no, no. I didn't say they took something. I said they're accused of taking something. Now, the only reason why they, you know, Biggio didn't go in on the first ballot because they're all saying he, he supposedly took something. So if he supposedly took something in year one, but then in year two you let him in, you know, uh, so open the doors for everybody then. See, you, you said it perfectly. Mike Piazza didn't get in, obviously. They think he took something. Do you think it's going to take, and this is my opinion, I think just say. Supposedly, you, though, we have, no, we have no clue if Mike Piazza took anything. Ex- Nobody exactly. knows if Mike Piazza took anything. So it's all hearsay. I mean, that's that's the only bad part that I see about the Hall of Fame is we have these reporters who are speculating on, on crap that they think that they've heard, you know? So don't tell me you think Biggio did something. Don't tell me you think Piazza did something. If you know or you don't know. If you don't know and you're just guessing, then you've got to go by the guy's numbers. And if his numbers are good enough, he needs to be in. Now, let me ask you this. Just say Piazza gets in the Hall of Fame next time, which he should be. Mike Piazza's in the Hall of Fame, and it comes out in – Five years that he took something that we got him. Do you think it's going to take something like that, like 
he's in. We can't throw him out. Now let's just let everyone else in. Do you think that's how A-Rod and Clemens and Spons are going to get in? That something, basically someone's going to sneak in, then it's going to come out like, listen, I wrote a book. Hey, I fixed that, Rod. I made the Hall of Fame. And now he's in. Do you think something like that has to happen? Listen, Mike, first of all, if anyone gets in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame it's never coming out if they took something. Okay? okay. Do you not? I mean, mm-hmm. you not know the way this world works. Yeah. <laughs> they would never <laughs> ever let that happen. Okay. <laughs> that that will that, that will always get squashed, no matter what. Don't ever worry about that. Okay, that's never gonna happen. All right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's there's powers that are more powerful than you know all of us that will never let that happen. But okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna I don't. A couple, I don't yeah. think so. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think so. I think they should be in by numbers, unless you know for a fact that they did something. If you, if you know okay. for a fact that they did something, then you really have to. You really have to look at it. All right. Couple more questions right now. Do you right now? Do you watch baseball all the time? Are you still a huge fan? No. Really? Are you a sports fan at all? Do you watch any other sports? Um, I love watching playoff hockey. Okay. I love watching college hoops. I love watching college football. Um, I, I I watch like MLB tonight just mm-hmm. to check out the scores at the end of the night and the highlights, but I won't watch a whole game. Wow. No now, who's your college basketball team? Uh, I, man, I like Louisville. Oh, good dog. Yeah, you come on. You just said that. Yeah. You really like Louisville? I I'm like the it. biggest. I hate Louisville more than any. I hate Louisville more I know than you any. Do. Come on. I know you do. I, I heard you say Kentucky earlier. Now, let me ask you something. I, your wife is absolutely beautiful. I need to know where you met your wife because she is absolutely stunning. Um, one of my friends hooked me up with my wife, actually. Um, one of my buddies in Tampa uh, who owns a couple bars over there. Uh, she was doing something for him, and, and she he hooked me up with her. It's a good friend. Now you have to, before we finish up, you got to answer. He is a good friend. He is a good yeah. friend. He's actually the I godfather know. of my of my daughter. So yeah, he is a good buddy. I, know. I owe him a lot. <laughs> my friends are horrendous, you know. Uh, <laughs> I have the worst friends of all time, you know. Uh, you you got before we hang up. You got to answer the question: Your biggest regret in baseball on the field. God, I know you keep saying that. My biggest regret on the field. Uh, I think my biggest, honestly, I know this is really going to hurt you guys because okay. I'm, I'm a diehard, I'm a diehard Yankee guy. Okay, diehard pinstripes now. I just know other team. But I think my biggest regret growing up a Boston kid was not putting on a Red Sox uniform. See, that, that's fair. Though. That, you grew up, that was your team, and especially Clemens, that was your life. Yeah, well, once, well, you got to understand, though, once I put the pinstripe uniform on, mm-hmm. then there was no way I was ever going to put the Red Sox uniform on. I would never, Love I it. would never, I would, I don't think I would ever be able to do it. I mean, if I got Johnny Damon money and stuff like that, of course I could go do it. You know what I mean? Anybody could, right? Of course, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, I mean, let's, I, not, I, let's, I, let's, I, let's be realistic. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not stupid. You know what I mean. But if I get that kind of money, but if there was always, if there was another team with the same kind of numbers, I would never have put on the Red Sox jersey after being with the Yankees. But before that, I think that was my regret: not being able to go home and play um, 
even if it was just for a year, you know. Just one, just to one say that I played there. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, just to just to be in there, just to be a hometown kid uh, that grew up, uh, you know, right outside of Boston. That was never gonna, like I said, it was never gonna happen. A, once I put the pinstripes on, and then two, with the fight, there was no way. You know. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> you were involved. There was no way. In that I mean, fight. They, they used to throw things at me in the bullpen there. I mean, it was crazy. And, I, and I'm from there. And I, and I look up, and some of them, the kids that I went to high school with, they were throwing stuff at me. <laughs> you know. Crazy. <laughs> Listen, I, had a, I one last question before I let you go. Who was your best friend playing throughout baseball? My best friend throughout baseball, uh, Greg Vaughn. Still talk to him twice a week. Uh, great guy. Yeah, me, him and I were really close uh, when I was in Tampa, and uh-huh. uh, we still speak a lot together. Yeah, great, great guy. One of my favorite my guys all, of all time. Here's what I'm going to do. So I, one thing I don't do, I don't collect any memorabilia. I just never did. I don't get the thing of, like, going to a store and buying a jersey signed by Jeter. One, I don't know if he signed it, and I'm not spending all that money on things. So what I do is anyone who comes on my show, I send you something, and you, you sign it for me. Because, you know, I felt like we had a connection. We were, you, you came on my show. Would you mind signing a hat or something to me if I sent it down to you? Of course. No problem. I mean, listen, bro, I had an absolute blast. And let me tell you something. It's always... Before I let you go, I always get a little nervous sometimes interviewing people, not 99% of the athletes I don't, but Yankees and Kentucky guys, because watch you, I cheered you, like, and I never want them to be like, oh, like a, not a bad interview, because what do you care, but like, you came off exceeding every expectation of like, just a cool, down-to-earth, like, I just, I just want to thank you and appreciate everything you did. Cause that was, hey, I man, that's why I'm in the bleachers night. on Friday night, you kidding me? That's why I'm in the bleachers on Friday night. I'm the same as everybody, brother. I'm going to go ahead and drink some beers out in the bleacher creatures with all the boys, do roll call. I, I'm, I'm, look at I was gifted to be able to throw in the mid-90s. Uh, it takes mm-hmm. nothing away from the person that I am or the way that I grew up. I'm the same as everybody else. I just got lucky with the breaks I had throughout my life and being blessed with a mid-90s arm. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, all, that's the easiest way to explain it. My man, I had an absolute great time, brother. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. See you later, man. Canyon starts. It's always, I get giddy after I interview some of these players. The fight in 04, YouTube, Yankee Red Sox, A-Rod, Baratek fight. Canyon was involved. I love when he said he went high on Kapler. He was tackled by three dudes. That was just he was awesome. I really wanted him to get into the A-Rod G to beef, but how great was his answer? I'm not in that neighborhood. Listen, thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll see you guys next Monday. Have a good night.